Hey guys. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Selfie Show. Where we are bringing you the weekly dose of sweet and salty. I am Tori, the founder and now co-host of The Selfie Show. I am a nurse, blogger, and podcaster. And I'm Sam. I'm a flight nurse, podcaster, powerlifter, and co-host of The Selfie Show. Today, we're off the clock, getting down and dirty with the NICU mm-hmm. world. <laughs> Personal fan fave. Dr. Kate, neonatologist. We had a really great, insightful episode with her this was amazing we did this we actually recorded this one a while back it was it was it was pre-holidays it was pre-holidays we've been waiting yeah very excited super pumped it gives me like NICU nostalgia like I'll always have a soft fuzzy yeah spot in my heart for my NICU babes I know it's a great we love our NICU place right um welcome back thank you uh, <laughs> how jet lagged are you right now um I'm feeling it a little bit we actually so we, okay your eyelashes look great thank you I got them done before we left this the is trip. the first time I've seen you since yeah you eyelashes done. okay I know popping pop girl popping um okay backstory you guys know this Jacob and I went on our um uh, the trip that we've been wanting to do since we started dating we went to Israel for it was a total of nine days I think 11 total in travel um the flight there was it was 15 hours were you in the middle seat <laughs> the first yes the Ew. first one there horrible the first flight there was like awful the second flight when we came home we upgraded to okay. get, yeah it's worth the money it honestly. was worth it it was worth it i wouldn't even care to sit next to my husband i would be like <laughs> i'm i would take any window seat in coach for sure before i would be like we could split up we're adults like, yeah. i don't need to be near yeah, you yeah. i will take a window seat by a stranger so that i can sleep <laughs> on the window than be in the middle next to my loved one yeah yeah, Fuck yeah. That. <laughs> Absolutely not. I'm sorry. I become like such a flying like snob these days that I'm just like, no. Well, you know how to do it. I I was just thinking like as I was doing that, I was like, I don't know how you're flying this much. It was crazy. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, But yeah, I nine days um, and I came back with a tattoo. I never thought. I never thought Victoria would (laughs) have a tattoo. I know. Well, okay. I've been wanting to get one for a long time. And this, we had a a situation where someone had done some really great research on tattoo artists. So long story short, I got this tattoo, you guys, it's on my, on my wrist, like going down the side of my arm. It is so pretty. I am obsessed. It's like really pretty line work also. Like it's gorgeous. Yeah. And the backstory with this is we got it while we were in Jerusalem and the person that we went to um has his family has been in the tattoo they've been doing tattoos for 700 years so rad that is insane how many generations so it was really cool it was really special um we had a great time and i think we'll do like a fun little recap because sam and i've done a little bit of traveling and i have like so many thoughts um since the trip like so many amazing things and just that's your first time like really out of the country yes with well with jake because I've been to Israel and Spain, but not okay. as like, we haven't okay. done traveling like this together. That's cool. And it was the most, I feel like, to be honest, a very like, this sounds so cheesy, but almost like an awakening, like a thing. Like, I feel like there's this little piece of me that's, I feel so happy and content and like learned so much on the trip. It's like a weird, I'm in a weird happy euphoria right now. You should be though. I think that's the point. That's why I'm so obsessed with just getting out of yeah. country and traveling and seeing other things because I think it just opens your eyes to a lot yeah I 100% agree um well it's good to have you back I missed thanks. you thanks I missed you how's your week been I missed you 
I'm tired and bruised. Yeah. I have Botox and filler bruises on my face. She's got cute I little bruises. Care. I'm so anemic that if you just look at me wrong, I bruise. You, bru- you bruise like a peach. I do, but it's okay because I'm looking. My face is absolutely snatched Snatch. right now. Very so snatched. love that for me. Um, I'm I'm in my last week of training, so I'm literally getting off of the mic and hopping on a plane to mm-hmm. Vegas and. After that, I, I'm finally done with training. It has been an insane two months, has it? Yeah, two and a half months, ten weeks. Yeah. I don't know. I'm delirious, yeah. but I think I know what I'm doing. Almost, yeah. I don't know. So exciting, but it's been good. It's it's been a wild year. Yeah, it's like March. I don't even know how. I know. I feel like the days blend. What's the best thing that you feel like you've learned through this process? I feel like just getting out of my comfort zone. Like I. And everything about this job makes me uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. It's so different than everything I've ever done before. But I'm like, there's no reason I can't do this. Yeah. Like I, I can do and it's honestly been really cool doing adult ICU stuff. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of adult ICU stuff and I love that I've been learning more about that world. So mm. I feel like it's definitely like helped me grow even as a nurse, even though I'm not doing direct patient care. Yeah. But I love this for you. Yeah. Okay. Unpopular opinion of the week. We got one, you guys. Okay. Tori and I actually finally watched the same show for once. We did. Except I fell asleep during it because I thought it sucked. <laughs> okay. So did you, though? Hot, hot. Um, inventing Anna is not good. I I said it. I said it. And I know there's a lot of you in here who are listening. You're like, what the fuck? I, it's not good. I, couldn't it's not even, good. I didn't even finish it because no. I was bored. Yeah, can we... Um, I, okay, I love the actress who plays her. Um, she's in Ozark. I forget her name. Julia Gardner. Yeah. Julia Gardner plays Inventing the Anna, Inventing Anna. Love her. But I just felt like the storyline to me, it could have been so much better. I don't know. The angle or maybe I just, I'm not fascinated by the person. I don't know. And the accent that she does of Anna, because everyone's like, is that accent so annoying? That's how she actually talks. And actually, Alex Cooper, I just heard, is going to be doing a dropping an episode with Anna, the actual Anna, which is crazy. Um, Wait, that's it's based off an actual person. Yeah, it's a real story. Well, it's kind of a lame story. It's just I don't know. know. Something about it wasn't good. Um, However, Tinder swindler. Yeah, I was gonna say, but I would never give someone money in my life like even if i like was married to you i'd be like oh damn that sucks i have a lot of thoughts about that situation it's really hard because you know we don't i don't like victim shaming i just feel like there's a little bit of element of like agreed self-awareness either you know i'm just but like i feel bad because he like literally fucked over these women for sure like he's a lying piece of shit this is why i just don't trust anyone right so men i'm like ain't gonna be me (laughs) because i just have so many questions like okay if you're saying you have so many um enemies okay red flag there i need all this money to pull out red flag money money red flag like i just just, don't believe anyone ever like yeah people like dating apps people i'm like so skeptical of everyone this is why i'm single what's crazy to me is like he's still he's out there he's still out there like he did six months in jail and then now he's like free and like i guess you know it that's crazy to me but like what's wrong with um a boyfriend asking you for money and then ripping you off like there's nothing wrong with that technically like legally you know what i mean 
it's an interesting storyline. I'm a, I I thought that was really I interesting. I thought that I was I was invested. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. It's really good. So um, but inventing Anna was not my fave. Mm. But I need Ozark part two to come out because Ozark. I'm like waiting so for it. Yeah, waiting for it. That I'm obsessed with. And I'm actually excited to get to my hotel tonight so I can keep watching Dexter. Oh, see, I haven't watched that yet. Well, because I can only watch it when I travel for work because it's on Showtime and I'm too cheap for Showtime, but it's free when you're stay at a Marriott. So yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. like, every time I go on work trip, I'm like, all right, let me. Have you watched it. Euphoria yet? No. What's okay. Euphoria on? You, HBO. I don't have I need HBO. to get. I need to get you. We need to just like get you a login and just do it because you have to I watch it. I need a sugar daddy just so I can get HBO. I know. I haven't watched it. All of your Gen Z is on this. I know. I honestly am kind of ashamed because I feel like out of the loop on TikTok. Yeah. I there's know. a lot of. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. I know. I'm kind mm-hmm. of we need to make that happen um okay guest of the week miss dr kate so she's an attending physician in the division of neonatology at a major facility in philadelphia we talk about her life as both clinical and a research-based md caring for our little tiny babes Mm -hmm. that we love so much from her 14 years of training her passion for NICU patients and also we get into her life as an md we're just going all over the place today with dr kate so buckle up and let's get into the show with dr kate okay we are live okay so we like to start things off here a little spicy so miss kate can you tell us your unpopular opinion Oh, that is a good question. Um, You know, I think my most unpopular opinion is that truffle tastes like actual dirt. So all my friends are like obsessed with it. And I'm like, why are you paying so much money for something that tastes like dirt? There's truffle fries on the menu. I'm ordering them. Like, for sure. Okay, well, I will agree with you on this. It's a very acquired taste. Like, it is. It's very earthy. Maybe that's a good way to put it. It's very earthy. Yeah, that's code for dirt. That's how they upsell you. <laughs> but why is it so expensive? Though? That's a great question. They're mushrooms, right? They're mushrooms? Okay. And I think they mm. use like pigs to hunt them. So I guess maybe oh. those pigs are making more than minimum wage. I don't know. <laughs> upselling. Upselling here. Just give me the pig. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll bypass, I'll bypass yeah. the shrooms. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So we've been friends, I would say, distantly for quite some time now. And it's been so fun to watch your journey kind of from a distance going from fellow to attending and as a female medical provider. So I'm really excited to get into it today. So for those who don't know you, can you give a little backstory, like where this all begin, all that fun stuff? Sure. So I am Kate. I am a neonatologist in Philadelphia and I've been on social media That's an excellent question. I think for four or five years now, um, just kind of sharing what it's like to be a woman in medicine, to be going through medical training. Um, And I love babies. So that's what Tori and I share in common. Yeah, I love that. Did you always know you wanted to become a neonatologist specifically, like going into baby world? Like, was that your target? So it actually wasn't. Um, my whole life, I did know I wanted to be a doctor, even in my like eighth grade yearbook, we found it not that long ago. And it says future profession physician. So that was always the goal. But I was really interested in hematology and oncology originally. 
And then while I was a medical student, throughout all of our rotations and experiences, I kind of looked into all sorts of specialties I considered. And I was on my OB-GYN rotation right before we were due to put in all of our applications for residency. And I was surprised with how much I loved it. And I just had this crisis where I was like, my whole pediatric application is like set and ready to go. And am I going to change this all of a sudden? So I took a long time to think about what about OB-GYN I really loved. And it was the delivery room, but specifically the baby side of it. And so I took that opportunity to then join um, a neonatology rotation. And after four weeks in the NICU, I was done. I was like, this is for sure what I'm going to do full on with like the pediatrics application. And here we are. Now that you are there, you're doing it, being a neonatologist, what's actually your favorite part? Is it like going to deliveries or certain procedures or if you had to pick? I don't know if I could pick just one thing. There is so many amazing things that we get to do when you get to go to a delivery. It's such this rush of adrenaline because you don't know what you're going to walk into. You have a one-liner and you're like, it could go any which way. And usually it's just like the baby comes out and they're fine. And you get to be like, yay, happy birthday. <laughs> like, Have fun with your parents and leave. Yeah. And we do a lot of procedures, which is always fun. Um, I think if I had to choose my favorite procedure, it would be intubating or placing a breathing tube because that one has just like immediate gratification. As soon as you get the breathing tube in, you can see all the vitals start to get better. The baby looks better. So that one, you can very immediately see that you made like such an important change for the patient. So those would be some of the best things. It's also great to form relationships with the families. Yeah, so for sure. It's a little bit of a unique thing, I think, about our patient population. I'm really curious about this. So we have on, obviously, a lot of nurses, nurse practitioners, and you know we've had doctors on. But I'm really curious from your standpoint what it's like working in a male-dominated profession as a woman, right? Because it is. And I think it's so remarkable. I love hearing stories like yours and following your journey. But what's that like for you? It's an interesting experience because I think in pediatrics, there are you know more women than there are in the physician population in general. Um, so a lot of times on a day-to-day basis, it's not something that I think about until I stop and look around and I think about every mentor that I've had has been a man. Because even though there are lots of women that are pediatric physicians, a lot of the leadership positions are held by men and they just have different perspectives. And so sometimes it's hard to seek out a female to help you through your mentorship, which is one of the things that also drove me to social media because I'm like, there are people that I'm sure are in places where they cannot find another woman to say like, you can be a physician, you can do this, you can live your life the way you want to and have the family you want to and do all these things. So I think representation is so important. But luckily in pediatrics, we do have more women, I think, um, than a lot of other physicians experience in their fields. So that is one nice thing about it. Yeah, for sure. Something else that I think I'm just curious, maybe from like a step-by-step process of, you know, how you started and getting into med school and like the amount of time and investment that you've put into getting to where you are. Can you take us a little bit through that? Because I think that's something that is a big piece of your journey, right? It's like, it takes a long time to get to where you are. And you're so young, which is amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it is like 16 years of school and training, but worth it at the end. So yeah, I did, you know, four years of medical school, which 
there aren't that many science prerequisites to go to medical school, actually. So there are lots of options of what sort of major people choose. But because a lot of times people like me like science, um, I was a microbiology major. And then four years of med school, which is like having a full-time job. And then you go home from that full-time job and you have to study all night too, which is an interesting time because what you realize when you're in med school is all of your friends who did not take this path are (laughs) working. And so all of a sudden, there's this big split where you're still in the library, you still feel very poor because you have no money. And then the rest of your friends are like, out going to concerts and taking vacations and buying condos. And that was one time I think that I really thought, what did I do to myself? Um, But at the end of the day, being able to be a physician and take care of patients, it is worth it looking back with the retroscope. But that's a very tough period because everyone else is kind of transitioning and you feel very stuck a lot of times because things don't really change from what you were doing in college. And then we do three years of pediatric residency, which was also a crazy time commitment. Uh, I think I spent more time in the hospital than in my actual apartment during those three years. And then we do three more years of training and that's a neonatology fellowship which was my favorite part of training. I felt like I was finally in a place where I got to do what I had wanted to do, what I always dreamed I was going to be doing when I made the choice to become a neonatologist. And and then after all that, just a short <laughs> blink of the eye, so <laughs> you decade. get to be a neonatology attending. <laughs> That's a long journey. It's crazy. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, going through that, okay, let's let's get here. What was your dating life like during that? Like, could you date? Did you go? Like, what was your life like during that whole time? So I very much believe that part of being a good physician is being a well-rounded human. So I did prioritize things like having social time, going on dates, seeing my family. So I think overall, I had a better balance than I've seen some other people have. I think it's all about priorities, right? I had some friends that were very much wanted to know everything that they could possibly know. You only have four years to study in med school. So, I mean, that's fair. But I feel like I also learned everything I needed to know while also doing things. It can be tough, though, because when other people don't have the same time constraints, they don't really understand. Like, I have friends who still today are like, just call in sick tomorrow. Come out with us and call in sick. I'm like, I cannot just call in sick. It doesn't work like that. I'm like, there's actual people's lives that are dependent on me showing up at work tomorrow. So it is a little bit difficult sometimes to get people on the same page as you. But I think, you know, everyone gets to make decisions in their life about what they're prioritizing when and you can definitely make the things that have to happen happen when you want them to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So I guess I'm really curious too, in your humble opinion, what do you feel like makes a good attending? I mean, obviously well-roundedness, but in the NICU specifically, what are some things that you think, you know, you see as important to your bedside as a doctor, but also just as a practicing physician? I think being a collaborative person who respects all the different expertise that all of the teammates bring to the table is so important because no one wants to go to work and hate the people that they're working with, right? So you need to be someone who's open and friendly. And I think the NICU is such a special place because we do have so much collaborative teamwork there. And that is the best thing for our patients because the more brains that are thinking about them, the better care that they're going to get at the end of the day. And so 
I'm sure this will be surprising to you. I'm not like a very stern, like I'm the boss here kind of ruler. I, we rule as a team and we all put our brains together and then we come to the best decision we can for our patients as a group. So I think really being open-minded to collaboration and the fact that, you know, everyone has studied for a long time in different disciplines. And that means that we all have a different expertise that we can bring. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, Just from working in the bedside, I feel like that always gives overall better care. And I think the families kind of pick up on that too. Yeah, for sure. And like sense the teamwork. Well, and I think we're going into more of a culture of that in general. I think our generation sees that as so important. We're kind of going back to that as something that we should all be doing together, which I love as well. I mean, there's a lot of highs and lows in the NICU. I mean, in my eight years, it's like I've gone to a lot of (laughs) birthday parties, but I've also gone to funerals. And, you know, I don't think people sometimes think we're just, oh, we're with babies and it's all like happy. And it's not always kind of how do you handle the hard days or the difficult times? That is a great question. I like to try to keep a perspective that you know, there is something good that happens every day. There's something to be grateful for that happens every day. So on days that are particularly tough, I make sure that I take time to sit down with myself and check in and figure out what from that day I was proud of or what from that day I can be happy about. And then the thing that I always think about with our cases that, you know, if a baby's dying, if we're walking a family through that, is that it's a horrible situation to be in for any family and for them to do it alone would be a million times worse. So it's almost a blessing that we get to be part of that with the family, that we get to walk them through that. And I know like my team is so amazing that I feel grateful that the families have them with them through that process. And so, you know, I try to remember that part of it, that it could be worse if people like us didn't exist to help these families through that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's such a complex thing, you know, even from us, from the nursing side, we deal with a lot of highs and lows in that particular patient population. You're dealing with extreme happiness, <laughs> sending someone home, and then also zipping up a body bag, which is complex. Very, very complex. Yeah, it's a special place and it takes a special person for yeah. sure. There's sad things that happen, but I think, you know, like you said, we all work together and we support each other. And I think that's another part of the teamwork that's so special to the NICU. Yeah, for sure. I have a bit of a taboo question because this is something that I think I've always been really fascinated with. So, you know, from statistically speaking, the NICU, right? We have one in nine babies are born prematurely before 37 weeks. And I'm just curious from your standpoint as a neonatologist, what's something that you think you wish maybe every mom knew during their pregnancy or maybe before their pregnancy to help avoid the NICU? Is there such thing? Like I know a lot of times things are not preventable, right? A lot of the admissions that we get into the NICU are just things that just happen. But are there things that you wish that women just knew about pregnancy or birth in general? I wish that we had a way that we could know why some women go into labor early and some women don't. It would be so amazing if there was any way that we could prevent it. But you know, we spend a lot of time at work dealing with mom guilt because I think anyone who's had a baby before knows that the minute they have a child, they feel very responsible for every single thing that happens. But, you know, there's nothing that we can do to prevent it. There's nothing that moms are doing wrong. It just happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I hope in the future we have more research because it would be incredible if we could 
you know, give people a way that they could make it less likely to have a preterm delivery. But, you know, there's nothing that we know of now. Um, I think just in general, trying to be healthy and take care of yourself and remember that, you know, healthy babies need healthy moms. But other than that, there's like, yeah, I think that's a great no magic pill. I wish. Yeah, for sure. I'm actually curious too. like, in terms of research, what are you seeing right now in the NICU world? What are some things that you're seeing that are, you know, some big topics that the NICU are doing research on? Yeah, I think that lung stuff is always a big hot topic with BPD and both in laboratory research as well as clinical research. And that's always something big. There are people I know that are looking into necrotizing enterocolitis stuff. That's a little bit of a smaller group of people in the U.S. that's doing that right now. And there's some actually very fascinating research coming out about racial disparities and preterm birth where they're finding more reasons why we see preterm birth predominantly in some races versus others. So those are, I think, like the big topics right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's something that you would like to myth bust about your profession? That is a good <laughs> question. And I feel like people don't really know what neonatologists are. So there's not that many myths out there. But I do have like a special love-hate relationship with Grey's Anatomy these days because teenagers on TikTok are obsessed with Grey's Anatomy and all of them think that I'm a surgeon because they always showed Crap. like Addison <laughs> and Callie or not Callie, um, Addison in Arizona were always like doing surgery and then also being a NICU doctor and nurse like all in one. <laughs> and so all the time people are like, oh my God, I want to be a surgeon too. And I'm like, I am not a surgeon. <laughs> and they're like, but you do surgery, right? I'm like, no, I don't do any surgeries. <laughs> Or what about when Alex Krav does skin to skin? Oh, God. Lord. Oh, yeah, with the patient? <laughs> yes. It's like, what is happening here? I'm like, can you imagine a surgeon. any parent walking into the NICU and a surgeon doing skin to skin to their baby? Like, they would be like, it? excuse me, sir. <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> I was like, this is sir. just, this is so next level. I was like, for Grey's Anatomy, even, this is like it's a so much. extra. <laughs> It is crazy how they stretch those things. I mean, I love that people think that they know about neonatologists now because I wouldn't have known about neonatologists then. But I'm like, but it's totally not what you're thinking. And they don't so skin, I don't know skin with your you. baby. <laughs> well, the baby was going to die. That's what saved the baby's life. It's like skin to skin. The doctor's skin yeah, to skin. Doctor, does skin it every time. Uh-huh. Yeah, works, works <laughs> like a charm. Effort. Speaking of that, okay, let's go Grey's Anatomy style question here. What does a day-to-day look like for you? I'm just curious, like, what is your week-to-week and your day-to-day look like? So I have an interesting split. I'm NIH funded, so they protect 80% of my time for research, and I only spend 20% of my time in the NICU. So it depends on where I am, what I'm doing. But most days, all days start with taking care of my dog because I can only play with him for so long before I go to work. And then I always need some caffeine. So I have a chai latte most mornings. Mm. And then if I'm in the NICU, that's an early like 7am. I'm there doing my pre-rounding, looking at the charts, checking the notes and the labs from the night before. And then I'll lead rounds after that. And then we have lunch, which I tell everyone is not an optional part of the day. We are taking care of other people, but we're also taking care of ourselves. So lunch is in fact mandatory. And then we do things like deliveries and procedures, admit new babies um, the rest of the day. And then we usually leave sometime between 5 and 6 p.m. We'll hand over to the night team. And then when I'm in lab, 
it's a little bit more flexible. So that's totally my own schedule. I get to decide what experiments I'm doing, what days I'm doing them, when I'm starting, when I'm finishing. And that varies from day to day. Sometimes, you know, with everything that happened with COVID and the pandemic, I'm still working from home some days when I'm not doing an actual lab experiment. So the nice thing about being a neonatologist is there's a lot of variety in um, what you can do and what your days look like. That's actually really interesting. Can you maybe expand on that a little bit? Because I feel like, see, these are the things that like we don't know about our doctors, right? Like we love getting behind the scenes. <laughs> what else do you guys do? Yeah, so there used to only be like lab research was the only option. And now there are so many options of things that you can do when you're not in the NICU. I mean, for academic neonatologists, the most anyone spends on service in the NICU is about half of their time. So people do stuff like quality improvement work. They do teaching for the medical schools. You can do epidemiologic research. You can run clinical trials. Um, There's people now who do like, you know, with Epic and all the electronic medical records, there's people that work to optimize those for the division, people who have administrative roles. So there's a medical director, um, you know, there's like unit directors. So there is a lot of things that people do outside of clinical service Mm -hmm. in the NICU. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just curious too, because I know there's a lot of upcoming, I would say medical professionals who may be interested in going into NICU in one way or the other. Do you work with a lot of PAs and NPs? And maybe your take on that is from like a medical professional, like a doctor point of view. Yeah. So our unit has a ton of NPs and PAs. I will say for anyone out there who's interested in being a PA, it is still kind of unit to unit dependent if they use PAs. And I'm not an expert in this. I haven't looked into it that much, but I think it a little bit relates to how much exposure to pediatrics they have during their PA school. So a lot of times they need some additional training outside of PA school to be a provider in the NICU. But our unit does both NPs and PAs, and they are completely integral to our work in the NICU. Um, My unit has 98 beds in it. So um, to have that run just by, you know, attendings or residents would not in any way be sustainable. So they are such an important part in our team. And I love working with all of our NPs and PAs. I Mm -hmm. think they are great. So I highly recommend it. That goes back to, again, like the teamwork, like everyone has a different way that they train and way that they think about things. And the more of us that come together, the more comprehensive we can get our care. Yeah, for sure. Should we get a little spicy and do a little rapid fire? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so we have some questions for you. Um, These are going to be one word answers. And we just want to get, you know, (laughs) rapid fire with you. Okay, so the first question, what's the hardest question parents ask you? When they're going to go home. (laughs) What is your favorite thing about your nurses? They are all protective mother bears. I'm failing at one word. I can't do one word, guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, even when Tori said that, I'm like, that's these questions know, are impossible sorry. to answer. Okay. Just short answer. Short, short answer. answer. There we go. <laughs> okay, we're going to bounce off that one. What's the least favorite part of your nurses? Okay, so flip side of fierce mother bears is there are situations I have been in where a moment of attempted advocacy can sometimes mm-hmm. come off as if we're not on the same page as a team. And if families are present, that always... Yeah, it gives me a little moment of like, now they think we're not cohesive. Mm-hmm. We could advocate separately, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Love that. Those are the hardest for me because I know their heart is in the right place and the intent is good, but um, the delivery doesn't always mm. uh, hit the mark. Oh, that's a hot tip. I love that. Yeah. Last meal. Mm. 
can I just have like a dessert buffet? Yes. Oh, okay. And invite me. <laughs> <laughs> the whole dessert, the whole dessert bar. Okay. Speaking of which, what is your favorite cocktail to order? I love a penicillin, but they are hard to find. Oh, what's in that? What is that? Gin? What is that? Uh, no, it's uh, scotch and lemon and then a honey ginger syrup. Ooh, you like scotch? Mm, okay. I do. I do. And it's like two scotches. It's mainly like a blended scotch, which is a little bit similar to whiskey, but then they float like a smoky scotch on the top of it. Whoa, so it's like very crazy. complex and delicious. Also very on brand with the name. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's the nerdiest name okay. ever, but. Love it. <laughs> One thing you regret. Ooh, um, it's a hard one. I know. Ooh, I probably would take more time off before I went to med school if I went back and did it again. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've talked a lot about that too, Sam and I, like with regretting not traveling or going abroad during college. That was mm -hmm. like one thing I, I definitely regret. Oh, yeah. Not taking yeah, time. I told myself I couldn't because I was like, you have to do all your science stuff in the MCAT mm -hmm. and I probably could have figured it out. Mm-hmm. Where is the favorite place you've traveled? All right. I have to say, as someone who spent the last five years working in nursing education, no BS here. Picmonic is legit. Absolutely. I have used it. And I can tell you, honestly, you guys, it is so effective. So Picmonic is an audiovisual learning platform designed for healthcare students. So that's including RNs, MDs, DOs, CNAs, LPNs, NPs. This is the study tool of choice for learning for thousands of the most difficult difficult to remember and most frequently tested topics, board exam prep, and also it uses questions centered around evidence-based learn review quiz formats. So they're quick and effective two-minute little Picmonic videos. They help you really just connect the dots, tie the facts together, reinforce what you've already learned, but really prepare you for these multiple choice quizzes. They also have an NCLEX workbook and nursing cheat sheets. I'm telling you, listen. Absolutely. Clinical instructor, yeah. nursing professor approved right here. It's really fun too, you guys. I've actually used it and I will say this, like they have so many amazing things. Like they have a polar bear that they use for polarizing. Like they just, the way that they do it and use the characters, it's so fun. Join over 1 million students who have used their quick and effective picture mnemonic study aids to boost your performance in school. And guess what? Of course, we have an amazing code for you guys. If you guys use the code SELFIE, head over to www.picmonic.com and use our code. You're going to get 20% off. Again, head over to www.picmonic.com. Use code SELFIE for 20% off of your order. Love that for you. Love that for you. Italy. They have the best food and the best shopping. Agreed. Not that I'm biased. <laughs> what was your favorite thing you ate in Italy? Uh, I mean, I had gelato like twice a day, so probably gelato. <laughs> Same. Minimum twice a day. That's a definite must. Um, what's the best piece of advice you can offer a parent in the NICU? To always ask whatever questions are on their mind. I feel like sometimes people are like, this is probably stupid. and Nothing's stupid if you're thinking it. So just ask your question because that's why your whole team is there to help you. Mm -hmm. Best piece of advice you could give to any of your nurses or RTs or other healthcare personnel? That might be similar to parents. Like you're uh, the same team member as everybody mm -hmm. else. So don't be afraid to speak up. Oh, love I love that. that. Yeah, me too. And what's your life motto? Uh, life is short. And the answer is always no if you don't ask the question. So have dessert and ask the question. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. 
Um, so speaking to sort of like the nurse doctor relationship, I think it is interesting because Sam and I've worked in a couple different facilities and I'm just curious from your perspective, like what are you seeing and how do you like to operate maybe as a doctor? I feel like we're going into a progressive place. Like what are some tips maybe that you have for some new upcoming people on, you know, how to build those relationships? Because I do feel like for younger nurses, I mean, I don't know when I was first starting, I feel like I was so nervous always to approach my doctors. And I think the doctor nurse relationship is so important. What are some tips that you might have for some providers out there, RTs, nurses, and all those people as well? I think part of it is knowing that you are an important member of the team. Like you say, I find sometimes with the newer nurses, they just will say like, oh, well, I just like didn't think that was anything. And I'm like, well, you were worried about it. So you should ask if you're worried about something. So I think knowing that your voice is important. And I always remind my nurses that they are sitting there all day, every day. So we are taking care of a bunch of patients and they have, you know, one or two, or I think sometimes three, but one or two. And so I'm like, you are the eyes. Like, you know exactly what's happening way better than I do because I just see what I see on the computer, hear what I hear on rounds. And I examine the patient a couple of times during the day. So I have very specific time points. And so, you know, I think respecting that what they're seeing is very important. And so they shouldn't feel like just because they used to be some hierarchy of doctors are like this and nurses are like this doesn't mean that we still have to practice like that. We can all practice with respect for knowing what our expertise is in and what our expertise is not in. What advice do you ever have for like residents starting out for Mm. like assimilating to the unit and how to be part of the team. This is not pandering to the fact that you're both NICU nurses. My advice is always (laughs) to be nice to the NICU nurses because you cannot get anywhere if you're not nice to the NICU nurses. So I'm like, you have to go to the nurse. You have to introduce yourself, tell them who you are, what you're doing. And then you say, this is my patient. I need to examine them is now an okay time. And if they tell you no, you say, when can I come back? (laughs) When can I come back? And do not just examine the baby anyways. (laughs) (laughs) And then wrap them up when you're done. Leave them the way you found them. You leave them the way you found them, of course, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I know. You can tell who takes that advice and who doesn't. Yeah, for sure. Some residents will come and you're like, someone scripted that to you. And I love that for you. It's like someone definitely gave you that script and then you see the ones and you're like you should have just listened yeah i know it's been so much easier well and i was a resident and i'm used to it because you're like i gotta present this person on rounds like i need to see Mm -hmm. them but like what you don't realize if no one tells you is like yes there are sick babies right that have to be examined no matter like what is going on with them but that's a small percentage of the unit and the rest of them all of us who have come through the unit who have trained already know that there are good times to examine the babies and there are not. So no one is going to be mad at you if you say, mm-hmm. oh, this morning was not a good time to examine them. So I don't have a new exam, but I will get it this afternoon. But that's not everywhere in the pediatrics hospital. So if no one tells the resident, they're like, if I don't get yeah. this, I'm not going to be able to present yeah. on rounds. That's a good point too. It's so funny. Like, the residents who come in at like 6.30 or 7 in the morning, right as we're doing report or at the end of night shift, beginning of day shift. And you're like, clearly you have never been on this unit. And they, they're going into the isolate and you're like, no, 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 <laughs> back away. <laughs> yeah, it's always like seven because then you're like, I just fed that baby. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. 
we both have been following your journey and loved all this. And I think a big piece of what you're doing, obviously, over on social media is sort of sharing your journey. How did this all start for you? I wish I had like a really great uplifting story for this. But uh, one of my best friends when I was in residency is still, um, but she was a food blogger at the time. And anytime we would like go out or be at a party or something, it would be me and her like taking the same photos, doing the same thing. And I kind of thought about it. And I was like, my friends, you know, from college and high school, they don't care that I'm eating like a charcuterie board right now. And I was like, maybe I should just like, right? Like they don't care. I was like, maybe I should take it to a different forum. And so then I started looking and I was seeing all these people were on Instagram as doctors. And I was like, well, maybe that is what I should do. I'll be a doctor and I can post these other like Instagram blogger-ish things there. So I don't spam my friends that don't care about this. And just started it. And I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't want anyone to know who I am. If you like scroll back to my very first photos, there's my face is not in any of them. It's a real wonder the account didn't take off with like the pictures of the sunset I was trying to post. Um, And then at some point, I was like, okay, you gotta like, actually be yourself on the internet. And so then I kind of changed it. And now I tell people like, Oh, I'm just living my life on the internet, which is kind of a joke, but also true, because I feel like, Whenever I, throughout my whole journey, and now when I still meet people, I say like, oh, I'm a doctor. I work in an ICU. And people are like, oh, you don't seem like a doctor. I'm shocked. Like, wow, you're a doctor. And I feel like that's a lot of messaging that people, women specifically, get all the time. And when you look in TV and in the media, there's still like kind of the like nerdy science person is what you are shown as that's a doctor. That's what a doctor is. That's what a smart person is. They're a nerd. Right. And so I just wanted to like show a different perspective. Like you can be whoever, like you don't have to be like me either, but you can be whoever you want to be. And that doesn't mean you're not smart. That doesn't mean you're not a professional. That doesn't mean you can't be a doctor because you want to buy purses and shoes um, in your free time. You want to eat desserts until you turn into an Oompa Loompa, you know, like you can do whatever you want <laughs> right, right, right. and you can still be a like high functioning professional and you can be a doctor even if you're not like a doctor stereotype. So that is kind of what it has morphed into at this point. So even with all the stereotypes, how do you feel like your colleagues kind of respond to you like living your life on the internet? Because some people Um, are not about that life. (laughs) (laughs) It is funny because a lot of people uh, who very much were teasing in the very beginning are now like, how could I do that? How could I like get this? How did you get sponsors? How did you do this? Like, how did you get followers? So I think like things are very much changing. I mean, my friends still like my co-fellows that I graduated with. I mean, they still make fun of me. They wanted our graduation video to be like me getting in the ambulance to go on a transport and people like running down the hallway with their iPhones trying to take pictures of me like paparazzi. So, I mean, they still think it's funny. Uh, (laughs) But I I think the world is slowly but surely changing. Like, I even remember when I was in medical school, they were like, do not have social media. They're like, don't have a Facebook, don't have an Instagram. If you have one, delete it. You'll never get a residency. And now it very much is changing where some places want you if you have a big presence because that is like free PR kind of for them. If you're a doctor that is like teaching people that has, you know, this online presence. So know so many people that basically blog or vlog or TikTok their entire way through med school or their entire way through their residency. And yeah, that definitely was not like 
socially acceptable, even in the nursing world. Like when we went in nursing school, oh, nurse, yeah, Instagram sure. didn't exist when I was in nursing school. Yeah, same. I love that you touched on this, Kate, is that it's nice to see someone who you can relate to, you know, in terms of like, okay, well, she did that. And mm-hmm. I feel like I have similar interests and that's me. And I feel like Sam and I both, it's funny because that's kind of why we're doing what we're doing, right? It's like, we love what we do as nurses, but we're also these dynamic people. And I think it's really fun to see someone's life and to learn from them and see how they did their journey and to share it along the way. And obviously, I think it's really cool, too, to have a good representation of, you know, your field, right? Like you're such a great representation of something that future girls can look up to as like a role model. Like you could be such a great role model for someone who wants to become a neonatologist. And it's like, I want to become that kind of person. And I just think it's so great that we're in this space where we can start doing that. Because I feel like when I first started, like there weren't a lot of nurses out there talking and, you know, doing all the things that we're doing. And I think of the role models that I worked with on the unit and like the nurse that I want to become and still becoming and just to kind of model that for people. I think it's really cool. Yeah, I think that is one of social media's like biggest potential benefits is that people only are exposed to who they run into. But now we have this whole platform and not even one, multiple platforms where it's like, okay, if you didn't find like someone that you click with that resonates with you, you're not just stuck with like the five people that you ran into when you were in high school that are doctors. Now you can go on and there's, you know, millions of people on the internet that you can find and see like if any of them in any way resonate with you and then you can use them as a mentor instead of just being like, oh, actually, never mind. That wasn't for me based on the people I've met. Mm-hmm. Sort of along that bloodline, what do you feel like is like the best part, worst part of social media for you? The best part is I love like all the networking I've made. Like I have so many friends now that people are like, how are you guys friends? I'm like, yeah. Instagram. <laughs> And they're like, (laughs) right? Sam Sam went on a trip with one of her good Instagram friends. Yeah, I made like real life, like we became friends on Instagram and then became real life friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're like other healthcare professionals, but you still would have never met them. And so it's like so amazing how you can make these connections with people that you probably would have never found a way in like the real world to bump into. So I like love that. I also love, I get Every time I'm like, swear, I think like the universe does this to me. Every time I'm like, I hate Instagram. I'm going to be done with it. I get a message from someone that's like, I'm in high school and everyone I talked to told me I couldn't be a doctor. And thank you for your account because I think I can do it because you could do it. And I'm going to keep trying. And I'm like, okay, all right, I'll keep, I'll keep posting. (laughs) Aren't those the best messages? I don't know. Sam and I, we have the same love hate, I think. And for whatever reason, those messages always come through at the right time. <laughs> it's just nice right? to know that you're... It's always when you threaten to quit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or you're just burnt out and you're feeling like, am I really making any bit of a cause? And then you have that message and you're like, oh my God, this is just, this is why we're doing it. This is why we're doing all these things. Yeah. And that is the worst part is that, you know, at the end of the day, all of the platforms we're using are not being used out of the goodness of their heart. They are trying to make money. And so they don't care about how much time or effort we put into what we're doing with our free time. And so then you feel like, oh, I spent all this time. I could have been taking a nap. I took all this time to make this post, make this podcast, make this, you know, TikTok. And they showed five people it. So (laughs) great. (laughs) Love that. Love that for us. (laughs) That damn algorithm, man. It is not working in our favor. That is for sure. (laughs) 
It is not. I don't know who it was made for besides the app itself, but it is not working in our favor. Are there any good tips that you could for someone who's in the NICU just out of curiosity, like any apps or anything that you feel like have been really helpful for someone going through the NICU? I get asked that question a lot. There's not a ton that I use, and I'm not sure if this is still up to date, but there was something called Heartpedia that I think was out of Cincinnati Children's Hospital, which is, it was, if it still is around, a really cool app where it shows the different like congenital heart lesions. And it's like a 3D model of the heart. So you can like spin it around and see where all the blood vessels are going. And then they usually have a link where you can check out the repair. So you can see like the stages of how they'll fix the heart lesion. So I always found that to be a very, very helpful nice. app. Nice. Do you have any good advice for someone like an upcoming hopeful either doctor or healthcare provider? Like what pearls of wisdom do you have for them? Yes. So... I always tell everyone that no matter what they want to do, they should explore their interests. And if there are things that they enjoy, they should do those things. Because I think at the end of the day, what sometimes gets forgotten in all the studying and all the science and everything is that like the best part of being a healthcare provider and the beauty of what we do as healthcare providers is that we get the opportunity to connect with people every day. And the foundation of having a connection is some sort of shared human experience. So, you know, no one wants to go to a doctor that's a robot that just like spits information out at them. So every time you do something that is like traveling or, you know, reading a book that is like a fluff book, but everyone's talking about like watching Squid Game, right? Everyone in the world is talking about that right now. Is that going to like make me have a better differential diagnosis tomorrow morning? No, it's not. But if I go around and there's a patient family, will I probably have something that we could connect on that is not just talking about medicine? Yeah, probably. So I think people sometimes forget when they're prioritizing the science that there's so many other things that go into being a provider and it's just being a well-rounded person that has a lot to offer. Mm, I love that. So if you could turn back time and talk to 20-year-olds, what would you tell yourself? Um, I think I would just reassure myself that it was all going to be worth it because like we said, it was a very, very long journey. And there was more than one time that I said, why did I do this? Am I really crazy? Have I lost my mind here? I even as an intern, I was researching consultant jobs because I was like, clinical medicine is not for me. This is not what I wanted to do when I envisioned myself as a doctor. And then when I finally got into neonatology, it's like right now, if I went back, I would not change a single thing. So I think it would have been nice if all along I had the perspective, like it will be worth it eventually, which I knew in theory, but it was hard to see sometimes. I think that's for so many of us. You know, I mean, I've talked about this like so many times, but I struggled so hard with, I'm sure you're much more of an academic than I am, but I struggled with school. And I just remember like having those moments of like, what am I doing? Is this worth it? Do I really want to do it? But I think that's a great piece of advice. That's something that I definitely would do for myself too. Like it'll be worth it. (laughs) Even right now. (laughs) Yeah. Like I get in these, like, I feel like I'm having a full midlife crisis and I'm like, no. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. I have like a few career things like going on in the works and I'm just like, all right, like it's going to like in a few years. It'll it'll work out. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really great one. Before you leave, can you leave a useful tip or resource, a Netflix or a podcast for the listeners that you really enjoy or something you found value from? 
this is going to be very not academic, but I just started reading Not All Diamonds and Rosé. And if anyone is a Real Housewives fan, it is yes. incredible. It okay, is so, That's like so number good. one on Amazon right now. I can't put it down. It is really? so fascinating. Who wrote that one? Do you know who the author is? I don't remember. His name is Dave something. I'm not exactly even sure what his connection yeah. to the show was, but... I mean, as far as I've seen, I don't think Bethany agreed to be interviewed and I don't think Lisa Vanderpump agreed to be interviewed, but it's like every housewife. Like some of these women I'm Googling because I'm like, you were not on the show. Like Who are Vicky? you? Yeah, Vicky. Vicky? I love Vicky. Yeah. Oh. What about Nini? Okay, I'm going to read I think Nini is. I haven't gotten I'm like to an OG yet. housewife. Like I haven't watched in the last couple years because I haven't had cable. And I probably could watch online, but I just like don't have time in life. But I'm talking like a decade ago when that like first season of OC Housewives, I was like, this is the best show I've ever seen in my life. And I it goes in chronological so order. Oh, I so love it starts. It literally opens with Gina and okay, Vicky yes. fighting over who Whoa. the original housewife was. Oh my gosh, mm. that is. That alone whole... is worth it for me to buy because <laughs> yeah yeah because Vicky like stayed on the longest story. but Gina was kind of like the Playboy she was in Playboy so mm-hmm. it was kind of like ooh the hot ex Playboy <laughs> realtor and OC versus the insurance lady I'm ooh I I'm actually really geeked out I'm gonna buy this because I yeah I love... mean it tells you the whole story of how the show oh. even like came to be it's like all the producers talking about it it is fascinating who's your favorite housewife and or city, city? yeah who's your favorite. So New York was my favorite when it had Bethany and Dorinda, but this year was terrible. And so I think Beverly Hills is probably my current favorite. Yeah, iconic. I know. New Jersey was so good, though. Like the first season of table flipping New Jersey. Yeah. (laughs) Like when Teresa, like before boob job, before like they were very like natural looking Italians and they just were like, yeah, they didn't. They They didn't play the game quite yet they weren't like on stage they were like fuck it i'll flip a table like there was no (laughs) like i'm performing for camera then it became that way then it became very scripted and planned and plotted but season one of new jersey was like the wild west they were just like they were wild Mm -hmm. i loved that one Mm -hmm. that was iconic i'm also really loving utah Utah's good. Oh, I yeah. Even watched Utah. Salt Lake City is like a new yes. incredible one. Mary uh, Cosby like is like. Mary. Oh, my God. Meredith. I love Meredith. Meredith is probably my like spirit animal. I like love her. But it's so <laughs> interesting, like just the evolution of the housewives and like the dynasty. We've been through a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you have to I read the like book because they also tell you like when things were like, oh, yeah, the producers set that up versus they'll be like, that actually happened. And we thought it was crazy. Ooh. Like the Erica Jane stuff that's going on right now, too. All the drama. Mm. Yeah. They're in order, so I haven't gotten to Beverly Hills either. I just finished OC, and then New York is the second one. It must be have Atlanta, because I was like an Atlanta junkie, too. Mm. Yeah. Like, I mean, it has Kim Miami, Volsiak, which who... Like, oh, oh, yeah. Miami was such Portland. a dud. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's coming back. Did you see? No. Oh. Hmm. On Paramount Plus, it'll be back. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Okay, that's actually a good wreck because I need some more lighthearted reading in my Ooh, life as okay. well. Yeah, that's all my stuff is always fluff because I'm like, I think enough at work I read enough right? like, heavy it's stuff. Like, sometimes I you want, gotta just like, fun. unplug. Yeah. A mental detune. You just want to like veg out 
Also, I feel like things like that and like watching Lifetime, I just feel better about myself because I'm just like, all right, I'm not, I'm like crazy, but I'm not that fucking crazy. (laughs) Like, relatively speaking, I kind of have my shit together. (laughs) It's not a bad little like, okay, I'm doing all right. Yeah, love that for you. See these people like just being all nutty. I'm like, okay, my mental health isn't as isn't as sketchy as we thought it was. We love it. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Kate, for coming yes, on. Thank today. you. We appreciate it. Where can everyone find you? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram as Dr., which is DR. So Dr. Kate R. And then on TikTok, that was taken. So I'm Dr. Kate R. M. D. Because we had to go hard on the doctoring there. So <laughs> solid M. D. on there. Wait. So yeah. um, wait, TikTok. What are you doing on TikTok? What's I love this for you. I love TikTok. Oh, yeah. TikTok is more like, <laughs> stupid stuff as opposed to on, on Instagram that. sometimes I try to teach and stuff on TikTok I do like a lot of the sounds that they do I'll just make them about something that like happens in the hospital that's ridiculous or I don't do dances so I, I hope those, no one's though. expecting a dance <laughs> <laughs> no I feel like that's old school TikTok like TikTok's evolved so much mm-hmm. yeah I went viral for a bad date story Oh, oh you did? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I'm going to yeah. go look that up now. <laughs> off and off. We're all a little pop culture junkie over here, so I love it. <laughs> hey, you got to have a little fun, right? Yeah, 100%. I'm like, well, they're not even guilty pleasures anymore. They're just like pleasure period. <laughs> yes, and I don't, we deserve I don't it. feel bad. <laughs> no, you should. I don't feel should. guilty. <laughs> not at all. I'm like, don't take these little pieces of joy away from me. Yeah, Mind your business. Survival. <laughs> Thank you so much Thank for coming so much. on. This was amazing. Thank you. Dr. Thank Kate. you for inviting me. This is so fun. I just love NICU talk. Uh, I know. It makes me happy. I also think it was really fun. It's fun to hear the female perspective from the doctor and just hearing, you know, all the hard work that she's put in and how much she loves what she does and just the variety that goes on behind the scenes for neonatology and also just for women in medicine I think it's great I love the representation and just the collaboration like the true like partnership she forms with nursing so it's great to be able to share that with everyone make sure you're heading over and following her you guys she's she's so fun to follow on IG and um you guys make sure you guys head over to up at dawn and check out our socks our sock collab this has been so fun (laughs) every time I see a picture of you wearing our socks my heart explodes yes it's so fun. Um, they are so freaking cute. I'm not even being biased. Like if I saw yeah. those in the store, I'd be like, that's my jam. Absolutely. And they're so soft. They're soft and sturdy. They they work so well as compression socks. I'm like, these are things are I mean, literally... I mean, I could put my giant calves in them. So that says a lot. <laughs> we have right there. small, medium and medium large for you guys. So head over to Up at Dawn and check out our collab as usual. You guys know. And thank you so much for listening, you guys. Head over to follow us on, our, on IG. That's at C-E-L-L-F-I-E underscore podcast. Check out the link in our, our bio it's where you can uh, support all of our sponsors find your codes all of good things our merch we love that and if you leave us a review on apple Podcasts, give us that five star drop your ig handle on the review and we will send you a little swag bag a little swag bag with some stickers some goodies a badge reel we love that for you love that for you. and make sure you're following us on our uh, insta that's at nurse tori and at hey samantha with two a's and we'll see you guys on friday bonus oh it's a fun one here we go (laughs) smash or pass let's go baby Bye. bye